I knew American Express was declined at a sweater store, so I had to hand the salesman back my cardigan. <laughs> hey everybody, it's the Lovecraft Show. My name's Mr. Xditch. And I'm Marion. Welcome to season four. Season four. Season four. That's three more seasons than any of us believed was possible. Humanly possible. Okay. But here we are. Welcome, lovely listeners. How are you? It's nice to be back in your ears again. Hope you've been well. It's been a while, but we're we're still live and kicking. What have you been up to, Marion? Oh well, I mean, apart from getting super excited about the lineup that we have for season four, which is fantastic, um, I'm okay. There's a couple of things I really wanted to talk to you about. Actually, I wanted to tell you about my voyage into Persephone books which has been really exciting. We'll talk about that in a minute. But also, I got an air fryer. Oh, you're trending on TikTok in that case then. Well, the thing was, there's this great woman on Instagram called Becky XL, and she convinced me before Christmas that I needed an air fryer for Christmas dinner. In fact, I didn't use the air fryer for Christmas dinner in the slightest, but I have since discovered air fryer cheese on toast. Mm. because it's very clever you it's i don't have a grill so this is why it's exciting for me because i haven't had cheese on toast for years because i have no grill so um what i have is you put the piece of bread in with some butter and mm, cheese on top or indeed make your own welsh rarebit but that's on top put it in the air fryer and it turns into this super crispy thing crispy on the bottom bubbly on the top because an air fryer is what, like a tiny convection oven, isn't it? Just really like condensed version of like. I don't know. Pan oven. It's just a, it's just an air fryer. I don't it doesn't know fry the air. That. It doesn't fry the air. I know that much. It no. might make it. I think it's just a tiny oven, really. It did, but I mean, this is all new to me. I've never had one before, and every everyone else I know's got one. Have you got one? Mm. No, but we've got a caravan. And I'm not saying you can cook... I mean, we can cook cheese on toast in it. It's much bigger than an air fryer. But air fryers are really popular for caravan people because it's... Again, you know, we've got in our caravan, which we've had since January, uh, we have got like a gas oven and a gas hob um, and a gas grill. But I think air fryers for a lot of people are a popular choice because of that. Just the cheese on toast, nothing else. Just the cheese on toast. You can air fry everything, can't you? You can. Although, um, the, the thing is as well, apparently... They take very little energy to work, so they're good for the planet and good for the giant electricity bills. Do you uh, have a particular cheese that you turn to for a good cheese on toast? Or are you at the start of a now a new, you know, second wave of cheese on toast adventures? I suppose I'm in the wave of the cheese on toast adventures and the Welsh rarebit adventures. But I'm always, a for things like that, has to be an extra mature cheddar. Mm, I, yeah, we have a bit of a disagreement in our household i'm very extra mature in my mature cheddar whereas mary she prefers it a bit more medium cheddar oh i do like we used to, i always used to do in the days when i had a grill that worked um sliced pears with kefili cheese over the top it's very very mild cheese and that was extremely nice but sliced pears sliced pears yeah yeah fancy fancy so um I just took, because this is a topic that's near and dear to my heart, I often like to put a bit of tomato puree underneath my cheese on toast because then it's almost like having a pizza. I was say, that is pizza-esque. Yeah, I'll go peanut butter under cheese on toast. I'm a fan of crushing up a salt and vinegar crisp and 
putting that in with your cheese before you toast it that's a good combo oh you see it's you know me you like a crisp crisps. sandwich you and like a crisp season sandwich. one episode 15 whichever one it was with sierra Leroy, where we talked about crisp sandwiches. yeah that was amazing because she had crisps in her cookies she did yeah it's amazing uh, you could air fry that stuff as well um and what was the other thing i was going to say oh apparently i read in the news the other day that there was an explosion at a french cheese factory and apparently there was debris everywhere <laughs> Oh, I love it. There were some people trapped and they called in a team from a Welsh cheese factory who extracted everyone carefully. (laughs) You are on fire. Good to be back. So what are you reading? Let's just... Because we've... Jamie and I, this this particular episode, we've done a little bit of research because we're going to talk to the lovely Anna Nikopirovich. We talked to Mm. the lovely Anna Nikopirovich who has produced two beautiful books this year which you'll hear all about in the episode but beyond craft books what are you reading i just finished a really interesting book by a guy called percival everett who's a black american author and the book was called erasure and it was recommended on another podcast that i really like and i just took a punt on it because i the problem i have is i either read business books or i read comic books and i don't really so i never know where to turn So when I heard about this book, I was like, I'll give it a go. And basically it's about a black American author who's like a professor and he's super intellectual and he writes these books that are super dense and really like incredibly intellectual, but almost too much for people. So they don't perform very well. And so it's kind of the journey he goes on because he, I don't want to spoiler it, but he kind of decides to write a different kind of book. And it's all about the consequences of that. And it's just the way Percival Everett writes and he'll, chop and change bits of story and there's some dark humor in there there's a bit where he talks about he was on holiday with his dad and his dad said something to him and then probably died of a heart attack and just the way he like drops all these things in the way he writes and sometimes there's made up conversations between artists and stuff it's just really like an interesting read really got me thinking a bit differently because it wasn't just like story 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 there's lots of chopping and changing and it kind of reminded me a bit of cannery row who is by i can't remember who it's by now Steinbeck I think Um, and another one of those books where that that's a book that talks about this deprived area of a town and plops you in this world and then spins you off in a weird direction towards the end and in a way Erasure was a little bit like that but I really enjoyed it like it's the first time I've read a a fiction book that I had no idea about and I yeah really enjoyed it so that's Erasure by Percival Everett and you? Well I I rediscovered because I did know that they existed but I hadn't I hadn't really immersed myself too much in Persephone Books. And Persephone Books is a publisher who produced books from little-known or forgotten female writers from days gone by. And there was a beautiful book um, that I read years ago called The Enchanted April by Elizabeth von Arnim. And that was made into a film. And it's, it's a beautiful little film. It's a lovely book. Anyway, I thought... I noticed that there was another book by Elizabeth von Arnim um, called Expiation. Uh, and so I decided to just just start reading my way through the Persephone catalogue and that was the first one and it was just delightful and I think there is such a value in looking back at not just the sort of really well-known classics but novelists who have been forgotten who these lovely publishers at Persephone Books find them again so I'm I'm on my journey through that catalogue and it's just gorgeous if you like I suppose... old old books, which I do. 
I suppose it's a bit like, you know, like Van Gogh wasn't famous while he was alive. It's almost a bit like that, isn't it? It's like there's these masterworks that have happened that nobody's ever really paid attention to, but it's quite nice when people bring them back. I know that that happens in the world of uh, music as well. You know, sometimes you get certain labels and they'll they'll dig out these gems that are kind of dusty and in the past and kind of re-release them and just give them to a new audience. And it can often be... Yeah, it's nice, isn't it? Because mm. all the classics get all the headlines. Yeah. And you're like, what about the ones that aren't quite as classic? Yeah, and it's really... And it started, actually, because at Christmas time, um, there was a beautiful article uh, in one of the papers, in The Guardian, I think, about... There was an awful lot of hullabaloo about Charles Dickens this year. I can't remember why particularly. It must be an anniversary, but... There were things on television, there were things in the newspapers talking about the fact that he had actually written more Christmas stories than A Christmas Carol. So I thought, I'm going to go down that road. I'm going to read some Christmas stories by Charles Dickens that aren't The Christmas Carol. Um, again, a very interesting thing to do. So yes, that's I'm on a journey of discovery, so are you. And which leads us to this week's guest, who's mm. an absolute angel, isn't she? Yeah. Anna Nikopirovich, some kind of crocheting, knitting, embroidering. I said she was like the Olivia Coleman of crochet because at first glance, she seems quite unassuming. But the minute she talks about crochet, I mean, she isn't unassuming, quite frankly. She's charismatic as all hell. But she was just, it was just remarkable. Like, mm. I, I, you know me, I know nothing about crochet. And uh, I had a look at her Tunisian crochet Bible. Yes, stitch, 150 stitch, stitches. 150 stitches. Yes. Uh, Amazing. And so, and her other book that's come out this year, which has a bit of a story to it, Embroidered Crochet, and both of these books by Search Press, and we absolutely loved them, didn't we? I think I can, I can hand on heart say that you and I both loved these books. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I don't, you know me, I don't like to admit, like in a book about crochet, if I can help it. But no, <laughs> and, and yeah, Anna, love talking to her. I think it's going to be... Yeah, I think the re readers, I think our listeners are going to really enjoy this conversation. So should we just get stuck in? Let's have a go. Listen to us talking to Anna Nikopirovich. Hey Anna, thanks for coming on the show. It's lovely to meet you. I don't know much about crochet, but thanks to your new book, I know a lot about Tunisian crochet. Oh. Well, that's a lie though, isn't it? Have you, have you actually read it? Don't lie to me. Don't, yeah, you have it. Have you read it? Have you practiced? Uh, Don't lie to me. I have it too. That doesn't mean anything. <laughs> I've looked through. Do you know oh, you what? Do you know what? I'm going to come out and do, do my compliment that I was going to say for later. I want to take my hat off to you from a project management standpoint for that. Yeah. I've chose the colouring. I have to say, I wanted to have this kind of rainbow. Beautiful. For the, lovely people for the listeners. Lovely people at Quattro have put this all together, but I chose the colours. So that the listeners understand, this is Anna Nikopirovich. This is the Tunisian Crochet Stitch Dictionary. 150 essential stitches with actual size swatches, charts and step-by-step -step photos. And the contents page, which shows the directory of stitches, it's in just a sort of rainbow that starts with Tunisian simple stitch in a shade of blue ends up with honeycomb wave in a different shade of blue and goes through all the other colours. And quite frankly, it's worth it for that alone. Do you know... It's a masterpiece of project management, that is. It is. And do you know, Anna, it... I, I didn't... I'm not surprised because I had no doubts about your superb quality because I know you. So kind. Um, You're but so I, kind. I, I, this book is just 
paradise. I mean, there is everything in here. Yes. Um, and it and it it's just been yes. We have talked oh, about Tunisian crochet quite a bit on this podcast because yeah, I, yeah. I, I'm a really big fan. I know you are. But how did this? How did this come out? How did you suddenly think? Um, was it the publishers that said we'd like a Tunisian crochet stitch dictionary, or did you? It's. I was actually approached by publishers. Yes. So I I was approached by Quattro Pub Publishing, who have close links to Sedge Press. And they actually said like, oh, because you know they've done uh, 200 crochet stitch dictionaries, then 200 more crochet stitch like dictionary. And they approached me and they said like, um, it was actually Kate who approached me and said like, oh, would you like to, would you like to do a stitch dictionary like for us? And I'm thinking like, well, yeah, you know, like I'm going to say no. So I said, of course, yeah, I would love, I, I would love to. And, and they said that we were thinking of, of Tunisian, like, like crochet. And I love Tunisian crochet. Absolutely love it. And I kind of like, you know, you, you do something very, very often, but you don't really, like, I didn't pub, pub, publish many, like, like patterns on, on Tunisian crochet and stuff like that. Because I was always more knitting a crochet. I said, like, oh, do I want to be all three? But actually I do. So yeah, so I've been doing like Tunisian crochet for very, very like long time. So it was just, it was such a nice idea to explore, to go deeper into Tunisian like crochet. Because I wanted to do cables and obviously because I knit and I crochet, I was able to use both both things to create lots of like new stitches. You see that... That's the thing. I had no idea there were so many stitches, but of course that's exactly it. You have just built them from your knit and crochet knowledge, which is just astounding. Yeah, not all of them, obviously. Some of some of them are are common ones that are around. They've been around for a long, long, long time. So not everything I have just invented, but you know. No, but I mean some of these things. I mean, looking in here, like for example, the petals. I mean, that's just. It, it's like, you know. Well, they're just beautiful. Um, garden was path, it quite easy to cables. get to 150, or was it? Did did you go on a journey of exploration? Did you get to a point where you're like, I've got 100, but then actually you kept going and they naturally occurred? It's kind of like there was something in like, what if I just change this stitch and it would be the same stitch as the other stitch, but with one stitch different? It would be fine. Want it? It won't be fine. I had to actually now. I had to. There was a point I'm thinking like, I don't have any more stitches. I'm done. We are done now. It's 120. That will do. That will do. But then you kind of take a break, you know, and say so like, no, no, no. They need to be, you know, you want to kind of, you know, you always have a dad in a book. There is like good stuff and one dad, you know, you have this one this like you know just i was out of ideas i didn't have anything i don't know anything else this one has to happen so in books it happens very very often like for me anyway i don't know about other people so you have all those projects and you make all those projects and you think they're all amazing and then you have this one project left and you think like well i'm out of ideas i have nothing else to do so you put in one kind of thing that you like it but not as much as the others so there is few there is one stitch here that i like it I yeah. take, take it. Do you want like to tell us which one and we'll date. bleep it out so that the listeners... No, I won't tell you. This is ugly. It's ugly. I don't want to show its face. I tell you <laughs> what, I mean, well, for anybody who wants to learn tradition, and, and we, we've, you know, it is a gorgeous craft. 
if you if you knit or crochet it's somewhere between the two and it's heavenly i and i would actually say anna that's a bit easier than knitting it is um, it is absolutely yeah. mm. so uh it's this is the book for you it is 150 essential stitches the tunisian crochet stitch dictionary by anna nikopovic you can get it from search press we'll put all the details in the show notes we've got more books to talk about and no doubt we'll come back to this and but, can I just before I before we go into say, yeah, it's, it's very beautiful. It's a beautiful. It is book, good. Even it I is. like it. I'd give nothing. this a ten out of ten. I would. I want to do the... um, shout out to my good friend Stacy Grant, who does the photography. I know she's. Oh my god, my Stacy! I love my Stacy. She's my oh, she's my favorite person in the world, apart from my husband, of course. Of course, wow. but, you know, the lovely, the lovely Dave. Husband, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. She, she's um, just amazing. Her photography is oh lush. And I mean that yeah. obviously just makes a world of difference, doesn't it? To to mm. a book like she does. Mm. So I've known Stacey for years. She does a photography for my magazine. She, the my Mister X Stitch Guide to Cross Stitch was the first book that she did with Search Press because she was a friend of mine and she, you know, she was a food photographer first. Came and did yeah. my book and then Search Press had kind of fallen in love with her and she's and it's great because I see the books that Search Press put out and I can usually tell when it's Stacey Grant's involved. You can immediately tell when she's done it. You can immediately tell she's got this beautiful rustic eye. And I, because I'm all about the rustic and the kind of like cottage charm, you know, and she just, she just does it so incredibly well. I mean, she's so just amazing. Absolutely amazing, like photographer. Yeah. Stacy, Stacy, I think we've now secured you book photography for your entire life. <laughs> <laughs> Strength of how good you are. I was not paid for that promotion. <laughs> So Anna, now for anybody that doesn't know you, almost inconceivable that somebody doesn't know you, but we oh, obviously know and love you. We've so loved kind. you at Lovecrafts because <laughs> we've done lots of work with you for years and years, and so we know about your pedigree. But how did it begin? Tell us about the beginnings of your crafting life and the passion. Where it's did your you life start? In general. Yeah. Right. So I was born on a cold autumn day in Poland. In a poor communist Poland. Shall I go from that beginning or shall I start? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, love it, love take it, us it. back. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Oh, my grandmother cried. <laughs> yeah, no, I won't. Um, right, so I was, well, you know, as, I think as a lot of people, I was taught to crochet and knit by my mum or my grandma. Both. I mean, I did both. My mum really loved it. My grandma, I have to honestly say, I think. My grandma never loved knitting and crochet. She did it because she had to. Mm. It wasn't something that gave her pleasure because it was just another thing of things to do, basically, you know. They were farmers. My, grand my grandparents were farmers. They had kind of like, you know, animals, fields, everything, you know. So I think for my grandmother, it was just a chore. You had to do it and you didn't have a choice. Well, actually, my mom truly and utterly enjoyed, enjoyed, enjoyed it. She actually had true passion. But, you know, as a kid, you don't really, you know, you don't really care. I mean, I didn't care anyway. I was kind of like, oh, this is so boring. I could do so many other things, you know. So I didn't really enjoy it. And I didn't kind of like, you know, and yeah, so I didn't stick with it. And I have to say, like, when my mum passed, passed away, I kind of wanted, you know, you've got these memories that make you really happy. And one of the memories was when she was teaching me how to knit. And crochet, and it was happy time, you know. And I said, like, whoa, if I start again, 
you know, it will kind of evoke the special times. And I have to honestly say, I started it and I'm thinking like, oh my God, this is extraordinary. I mean, I haven't been doing this all these years, but this is so, so nice. And I actually really, really, really enjoyed, enjoyed it. And it was like, it was a special connection to my mom and my grandma in a way, but it was more of a, yeah, it was just a special connection. But then I, I started to really love it. And I kind of attacked it with gusto. Do you know what I mean? It's kind of like I started devouring all the books because, you know, it was in the olden days. There was no YouTube. So, you know, I had to do all the research in the book. So I had to do all the research, you know, kind of thing. And yeah, no, I just I just loved it. And then I remember me and my mom used to go to John Lewis all the time. And the haberdashery was on the ground floor in Oxford Street. And there was and there were Jans there. And I remember I entered it and I remember Jans being itchy and beige. Yeah. So occasionally white or dark, you know. And I remember I entered it and I look at the wall of yarn. I'm thinking like, is this yarn? And my mom's like, yes, this is yarn now. I was like, really? I was like, all the colours? And I couldn't believe it, all the colours. Because, as again, all I re remember is beige, you know. Um, so, yeah, it started and I couldn't stop, really, type of thing. So, yeah. Yeah. How long ago was and that? And then I, yeah. Um, well, my mum passed away 19 years ago. So, that was about, yeah, I was about 18 years because I kind of, like, well, six months after my... So I kind of like, yeah, six to a year, I started, I started again. So it was slow, 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 and I started a little bit. Then I think, what are we in now? 2013? 2014? When was the Olympics? 2012? You yeah, 2012. Your blog in 2012. And so, when did, did I? you. Oh, you're so good. Oh, you're so good. Oh, my God, you've done your research. Um, I, was, I was just thinking, sorry, Anna, if, um, when did you decide that this could be a viable work thing for you when i started to work for owen so yeah. this is what i'm asking when when was the olympics so i started to working for owen when the olympics happened because i opened the the stratford store so i was a design consultant for rowan and um yeah so that was yeah so i had my crochet and knitting journey so i was exploring enjoying and stuff and stuff and stuff like that and i used to go go to john lewis for do like classes and advice to the Rowan consultants there. So I went there and I was thinking like, oh my God, it would be so awesome to have this job. I mean, how awesome would this job be? I mean, come on, you just sit and knit and talk to people, you know, I mean, it's a lot more to it, but you know, you have this ro ro romantic view, you know. So then the position in Stratford opened, when the Stratford was opening their new, well, the Westfield. And Rowan wanted a consultant there. And I said like, I do it. You know, I'll be so happy to do it. So I did it and I loved it there. It was such an experience. So then I also trained with Rowan to be a tutor. And that's how it all started. And it just kind of went. And I'm thinking like, oh, actually, this could be interesting to do as a normal job, you know. Did you do art or design or anything prior to that? Did you study it or anything? No, I, no, no, no. I did science. I can't even count. <laughs> I don't know why I did that. I kind of like it. There's a similarity I mean, there because, like, people always ask me whether I did art or design or anything because now I produce like a frostage magazine. I didn't. I just meandered yeah. in off the street and, and it somehow happened. It feels like it's not dissimilar. Oh, I didn't it's either. It's so organic, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we're all a bunch it's... of blackguards. 
The thing is, though, we are, this, yeah. But this is the beauty. Don't you think this is the beauty of craft? Is that it? It is accessible to anybody. So you don't have to yeah. have a big qualification. You don't have to have studied fine art. You don't have to have studied how to make something. Mm. You just need a passion, and 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 let's questionably an eye. But it doesn't matter because beauty is on the yeah. eye of the beholder. So if you want to make a pattern in a colour that you love that no one else loves, it doesn't matter because it's for you. And so that's why craft is so accessible to everybody because you don't need to study. And I think that is the the preciousness of it. And also it's one of those things that you can just do and take it at your own pace. There's huge amounts of growth available to you. It's like, yeah. as my dad used to say about music, is a, in a, it the world's biggest sweet shop. You can You can just keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. There's always something new to learn. And something new to exactly. explore. And Jamie, you don't look convinced when I'm saying. No, that. no, no. Do you know what I was just thinking? I was just thinking about the journey and how it's um, it's interesting that so you got a job with Rowan as a design consultant. So by then you must have been pretty sure about your skills and technique. It's, uh... Oh no, yes, absolutely. Because by that time I was knitting like again for a few years now. So I was knitting and crocheting for for a few years. I was doing classes. I was buying books like there were they were go, going out of fashion so i was so i remember when i went for for an interview i had to bring all my knits and a lot of them were the bibles <laughs> i was like sorry the bibles but i had some rowan ones yeah but i had some rowan ones so you had to bring things to show your ability and your skill and stuff like that so now i was already very good at knitting you know, I was already, I, I perfected my skill really, really well. But the thing is, though, as Marion said, with knitting and crochet, you always are learning. There's never, there's like, I know everything now. You, you, it's impossible to know everything about this craft. There's always a journey. There's always something new. There's always something new to explore or learn. Or, you know, it's, yeah. So I've just increased my knowledge while, while, while in <clears throat> Rowan. I think in Rowan, what I've learned is troubleshooting. So when people come with difficult, um, you know, with difficult, like, I can't understand this bit of a pattern, I can't do this. So I learned, really learned to troubleshoot, to kind of see faults or adjust things or help people and stuff like that. So, yeah, so that was really, 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 really good. That's the next layer, isn't it? The learning from teaching and how that gives you, just when you think you've learned the stuff, then you teach and it's almost like you're just relearning from scratch. And, something. Mm. and, and I think, and I think what's amazing is that people, because like it's like a sort of a global sort of throbbing, isn't it? The sort of the way that craft grows and someone somewhere has just developed something else. It's like, you know, somebody invented magic loop uh, for knitting. Yeah, and some somebody must have been sitting like in a corner somewhere going, I just don't, yeah, I can't knit in a circle. I know, I'll put a piece of cable in my needles. And then somebody maybe thought, do you know what, I need... I need a, the magic ring to work on the top of an amigurumi because I've got a hole there. There must be a way around it. And that's the beauty of this, I think, is that it never will stop because someone will invent something somewhere. And this is what I love about this. You just going back to that Tunisian stitch dictionary, that you've used your knitting and crochet knowledge to build new stitches into Tunisian. And so that is a prime example of you doing that. Yeah. Not all of them, obviously, but there was few, but not 
obviously not all of them. Some no, of them no, are no. I want you to say, I didn't invent all the stitches in this book. No, 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 no. But I mean, it, the, 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 there know. is that. This is why it's so, it's so yeah. great. Evolution. Yeah, evolution. Huh? That's the word, evolution. Jamie. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So in yeah. 2014, you had a, I believe it was a mushroom design in Simply Homemade magazine. Now, was that your first published piece? Or had you been doing any kind no. of patterns prior to that? I don't actually remember mushroom design, but thank you. It was just a little one. It was like a couple of, I'm pretty sure they were pumpkins. It was either pumpkins or teapots. It was definitely something, whether there was a spout or not. Oh! Oh. But oh. it was around that time that remember. you became a published designer, would you say? I can't remember. Wow. No, my first design, actually, was published in Simply Homemade. Yes? Oh. Yeah. Simply Homemade. It was, yes, it was Tea Cozy and Egg Cozies. That, that, there that, we go. That's what it was. Tea, yes, Tea Cozies and Egg Cozies. They were woodland ones. Yes, that... Well done, Jamie. Oh my God, you're not. Oh, he. So well. Do you know what? He is so good. He is. He he's excellent. I like to know what he's re- You really are. I'm like, what did I? Okay. That must have been a really big moment, though. Like you know, the first. Time it was he's... huge. It was actually huge, because, you know, it's kind of like it wasn't a difficult design of any kind whatsoever. It was quite, you know. It was just a simple thing, but it was so, you know, having it in print, it was extraordinary, you know. It was such an achievement. Again, it wasn't a big design. It wasn't anything spectacular, but it was so... Seeing it in print, it gives you such an incredible joy. It's just like, oh, my God, here I am, the little girl from Poland, you know, I'm published in the UK. So that was that was an extraordinary thing, actually. Yeah, that was amazing. Because mm. I guess prior to that, though, I mean, your blog... Like I say, that's been going since 2012. Oh, and yeah, it wasn't very long within that. Because I've looked through a few crochet blogs and what I love and what I don't understand is that you all put the patterns in there. So it's a bit like the, like the cooking blogs where they talk loads about the thing and then about five hours later you get to the recipe and stuff. You guys kind of do that, but then the recipe goes on with all your strange, crazy crochet codes for so much down the page <laughs> yeah. as well. I kind of love it. So you'd obviously like put in a lot of groundwork in terms of putting patterns out via your blog first to be honest i mean i have to say i've really neglected the blog very very badly and i feel bad for it but you know if life gets busy life gets busy and stuff like that and i do it's one of the things i really genuinely want to get back into but yes i started doing things on blog because you know um it's hard to really say you kind of don't really have a platform i mean there was a rivalry already then obviously but um I think rubbery was quite new, actually, was it? Mm. I don't remember, actually. I don't remember when the rubbery started, actually. But, um, yeah, I think it was just... I just wanted to share the things I made, you know. And it... it... Yeah. I mean, and it, 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 was, it was the time for blogging, wasn't it? Blogs were the thing. There was blogtacular, everybody... I mean, having a blog was the thing to have. And and everyone loves. I like them. to say it still is. I've got a blog. Well, no, I think it still no, is. No, it actually is. It, it is. is. But the problem is, I'm not a natural writer. Writing comes very hard for me. Even like, you know, it's I'm not. It, the words just don't come out of me so beautifully. So it takes it's actual effort for me to write something because it just 
I'm going to sit on it. I'm going to think for ages about it. And, you know, it just doesn't come in na- in natural way. So, yeah, so blogs, I find actually blogging enjoyable, but far more harder than crochet and knitting or Tunisian crochet, to be honest, <laughs> because it's writing and I'm, I'm not a natural like, like writer. And obviously because I'm Polish and I've learned English, even though I lived in this country for a lot longer, I still think that my, my, write, my, my, my written English is not as, as wonderful as it should be. So I'm kind of a bit more, you know, and sometimes you, you want to go a bit posh and you say like, oh, isn't it delightful? You know, it's like, oh, delightful and so charming. It's like, it's like, come down, Anna, you know. But I kind of start using words that no not naturally yours, you know, and think like, oh, God, yeah. I, I love it. And Anna, I think you write beautifully. I love your stuff. And I always hmm. have. But I, th- the thing is, I think it's we've, we've sort of gone into this phase where everybody's sort of gone into Instagram because it's much more instant and much faster and everything. But there is, you know, the blog thing is like having your own magazine. And I think that's what makes it so fantastic is that you've got so much more room. You can say so much. You can do anything you like. I, I'm a big blog fan. You see, I love blogs and I loved my blogs and I kind of feel like I'm going to do be so much better at this blogging. I'm going to be really good. I'm going to do once a month. I can only commit to once a month because too much is just too much. So once a month, but then I get, you know, I do things and I get distracted. But that's kind of, and, yeah. but that's kind of okay. Like we'll have a little blogging counseling session because I used to, when I started out doing my blog, I would try and do two posts a day for a while. We were hitting it really hard. Just showing other oh people's stuff, God. you know, it's not about me. It was just showing other people's stuff. So around 2011, 2012, there was a lot of content going out. And I would feel bad if we missed it. And then I'd look around and realize that not a single other person was aware that I'd missed my schedule because nobody yeah. else really cares, you know. So I think sometimes what's great about the blog is it gives you this opportunity to just speak you, to do you, mm. and you don't have anybody yeah. else. And you don't. And it's interesting because like Instagram has been brilliant for like improving the speed that people can find inspiration and share their own work and gain traction and those sorts of things. But now you get a sense that algorithms change. Like a lot of people have been forced to make video to get the same traction and people don't want to do that. Mm. So, you know, I'm very big on like email marketing as well. Email and blog to me because they're things that are like they're mine. That's my domain. That's my communication. And no one's going to tell me which way I have to perform to get the kind of engagement that I'm after. So I feel like blogs yeah. are sort of, it's almost like we're waiting for a blog renaissance. Do you know, I feel exactly the same. I'm with you on that one, because you know what? We keep on going into circles. So now we've got reels, and I'm sorry, but I'm just, oh, I just, you know, videos, it's another level of making stuff. And you're just like, I think, I think, okay, so we go into everything. We need to be only interested in 60 seconds. 60 seconds of interest and that's it. And I think people are going back to the kind of more organic and longer enjoyment of things. This quick action, I think it's just, we're getting bored of it. We want to have our attention for a bit longer. And again, as you said, the renaissance is coming back. It's all going, going, going around in circles. So I think we go back to the actually enjoyment of reading mm. and just enjoying 
a blog. And I think that's true, actually, of the magazines as well. We were sort of went through a phase where all the magazines were dying out, all the craft magazines were just stopping and going. Um, and they they appear to be having, and I really touch wood here because I love them, but a, something of a renaissance, you know, with inside crochet and, and things like that, that are beautiful magazines that are really upping the game. And so hopefully we're going back to that sort of more organic kind of detail it feels more natural with the the natural slowness of craft i think if you're in craft then reading you know long form things ties in with the the rhythm that we work at you know if you're a video gamer and it's all about firing off your neurons or whatever then fair enough but it, i i feel sorry for creative people who feel like they have to make videos when they're not video makers you know Right. Sometimes it works. You know, I, there's there's some very enchanting people on social who produce content that is a great fit for what they do. But I'm not going to do that because it's yeah. not, you know, I showcase other people's work. I haven't got time to go and make a video that is the latest K-pop tune that I'm dancing to while making a Santa hat out of pillowcases, whatever. <laughs> like, I'm not... <laughs> done that one <laughs> but i'm not gonna you know and i think that that's where it's, it's quite hard because the fomo is so strong the desire for people to keep going along with these bandwagons but it's almost like now it's getting ridiculous because instagram don't care about us they just care about being better than tiktok or whoever comes along next and you're like oh that's like mm. and it's kind of like instagram used to be great they were really really good and you could actually interact with people. You actually saw posts of the people you follow. And now every other post is like, it's suggestion to follow. But I want to see the people I follow. It, yeah, do you know yeah. what I mean? It's all about them. You know. I say, do you want to have more, more likes? Promote. I'm like, stop, stop begging me for money, please. <laughs> you know, I will not be giving you anything. On a, on but, a, you know. on a slightly different um level with with your work one of the things i think i love about your stuff is that most of the stuff you do is is they they are smallish projects so shawls socks don't get me started on socks shawls socks <laughs> um baskets mittens hands you know all these different things not not very many garment things although i remember you knitting your wedding cardigan which <laughs> My, my barely finished on time <laughs> but <laughs> barely yeah, I think yeah. Like two why is the bride late she's like morning. just finishing yes yeah, like hold on <laughs> you know <laughs> um i like small things mm. i mean shows i mean oh god i'm 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 a, I'm a hugest lover of shows i always have a shawl on i just love them they are such an easy accessory to wear and I just, you can really explore this with these fancy yarns and have wonderful expensive yarns for the shawl, you know, kind of thing. Um, I, lo I love, I genuinely, genuinely love shawls. And um, I like small things. I get bored with, the, with, with garments. I mean, I like garments, don't get me wrong. Obviously, I wear garments. I don't get go around like, like naked all day long, you know, I do it <laughs> But, you know, but I don't know, on design scale, I prefer... I prefer smaller things. I just do. I just, I just find them a bit, a lot more interesting. And also for me personally, yeah. Yeah, because I think a lot of people um, feel daunted by making garments, and 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 obviously it's a very big, it's and it's a big investment financially, and it's so. This is what I love about a lot of your patterns. You know, shawls, beautiful mittens. 
um, and socks and purses, all sorts of gorgeous things. Yeah, so that was a lovely book of yours, wasn't it? First Thank book you. in 2015. You. That was the... Oh, well done, Jamie. My goodness, you. you are... You Still are... here. Oh, you are awesome. Well done, Jamie. Oh, my goodness. I should actually ask you all, all the dates and write yeah, them down. Why don't you ask me so your question? You used to have a cow <laughs> who was named me. after St. Nicholas. Yes. Oh, yes, I did. <laughs> so I, did, I, didn't know, I didn't know about this cow. So what was this cow? Yeah, okay. So my... You know, Muczka. Muczka comes from... In Poland, Muczka, you call a small cow a Muczka. And I was obsessed with Muczka. And my grandparents had a farm. And they had cows. They weren't, uh, my grandparents didn't do one, they didn't have a farm to live off animal. They have more, my granddad grew potato scale and stuff like that. So that was wheat. Um, what was it, corn? No, it wasn't corn. It was some, something else. So my grandparents were predominantly, what do you call it? It's not um, animals, it's the other Oh, thing, it's, the so it's arable farming. Arable farming. So he was into arable, but they did have animals to just have on the farm for like chickens for meat and eggs and stuff like that, and cows for for milk. So we had four cows, I think, only in total. So when um when any cow had a small baby, and of course I was like, uh huh. So me me Kowai, which is a Nicholas, it was a small cow, and I always loved that cow. It was my cow. It was the most good, glor glorious how cow on the planet. So yes, that was my Nikolai. And then, my, is it right that like one day it then went to visit another farm? Yes, he went to visit another farm. Yes, he went <laughs> it's to forever visit another farm. farm, and he never came back. Oh, you know. And I'm thinking like, we had some lovely like, stew. But why? Yeah, yeah, but why didn't they go love me? I said no. You know, obviously, you know, you were always told don't get attached to animals because animals. There, you know, my granddad was very good farmer. He was very ethical farmer, but it's still, you know. Mm. Yes, There's... but I tell you another story of how how dark my grandma was, and I didn't even realize. It's just it's one of those things that still haunts me. So we had bunnies, and bunnies were lovely. There was a little cage, and there was bunny, and there was la 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 la. So every I went to my grandparents' farm almost on the weekend. So every weekend, every summer holidays, every holidays, I was there. Then the, the bunnies were lovely and they were growing and they were wonderful and, and, and wonderful. And one day the bunnies were gone. So I came and was like, oh my God, Grandma, I think it was closer to winter. I was like, oh my God, Grandma, where are the bunnies? I was like, well, darling, they went to live off the forest. I opened the cage accidentally and they ran away. But it's fine because they're living happily in the forest. I was like, oh, okay then. And then my grandma goes, but look, I made you a coat. I was like, oh, okay. It was a bunny fair coat. And then for lunch, we had a bunny rabbit pate. So rabbit pate. <laughs> and do you know what? Yes, I didn't clock on because I was a bit simple, obviously. So, I mean, I mean, I was a kid, you know, a simple kid. And then years and years like later, and I'm thinking like, it dawned on me. It's like, oh, my God. <laughs> you know, grandma, how... How dark are you? So basically, like, don't worry about the bunnies. Have a coat of the dead bodies, you know. Kind of thing. So, Did you think yeah, that you'd, like, you'd wear that coat up to the forest and maybe go and play with the bunnies because you're one of the bunnies as well? Probably, because, you know, it was winter. And obviously, in Poland, we had some winters. They weren't, like, tiny little winters. They were huge. So a lot of people, I mean, it's not anymore, but a lot of people did wear fur. And it was usually fur from 
the cows or stuff like that it wasn't fair from you know endangered species but yeah so yeah can we not put that in because that will that will show my will show my grandmother as the evil but she was evil who does this <laughs> Who the hell does it? laughed her I, socks off about I, that. I think that's just very typical of most grandmas in, in those days. Yeah. yeah. It's just don't worry about your feelings. No one, no one, no one, no one cares. Have a coat. You know, it's a bunny pate. My God. In 2015 then, crochet purses. <laughs> and then in... Oh, when was it? 2017, crochet flowers. Then, uh, I don't like to use hyperbolic phrases, but in 2020, the somewhat magnificent crocheted wreaths. Yeah, that was magnificent. Yeah. Oh, man. That's that's beautiful. Actually, that was magnificent. uh, And then... These came out the same... Same year, right? Yeah. Yes. So yeah, there is a reason why. Yeah. Now, we need to talk about this because so the other book that we have here, everybody, is Embroidered Crochet, which is and I it's one of those things, I don't know how you can produce two such fabulous books, but this one is all about embroidering and cross stitching onto crocheted fabric and it is absolutely beautiful. So at the beginning of the book there's lots of technique information and hints and tips and then it goes into these projects that range from beautiful mushroom bunting to some baskets that will make you weep quite frankly they're so beautiful and a blanket that is cross-stitched with birds and the beautiful thing about it as well is that you've got freezer paper you've got uh, some templates at the end of the book that will last for several goes Mm. um, when you iron them on or, or whatever um Twice, they will last twice. uh, Well, this book has given you a lot of pain, hasn't it, Anna? Yes. Tell us about it. The reason is because all the samples got lost in the post. Yeah, give. I tell you what. If you give the readers just an idea of how it works when you do a book. Okay, so when you do a book. You go into the forest and crochet among the animals and sing to them, and it's all wonderful. <laughs> it really isn't. It's you know, it's it's what people laugh. People imagine it. I just go around in the beautiful dress and go, oh, here I crochet this. Um, no, it's more like pulling your hair out and stuff like that. It's like, oh my god, I need to finish this now, and doing a lot of all nighters. So, um. So when you do a book, you obviously do all the samples and stuff like that. You write the patterns, you do everything, and then everything is sent off to your pub, your pub, your publisher or your editor specifically, and then the editor passes on to the photographer and stuff and stuff like that. So I completed everything. It took me eight months to design everything from start to finish. So you know, with everything made, everything embroidered. Obviously, the embroidery. It's not like normal crochet. This took a lot longer because of the embroidery, even though the crochet bases are a lot simpler. So I, you know, everything. And also I had only one, because again, I'm not, yeah. I only made one template of the embroidery themselves, of the embroidery like like template. So I only made one copy. I didn't make any more copies. So one copy of each design only. So I packed it all up. I sent it off. You know, I send I send it off with really good, expensive posts. I didn't kind of just like send it like off you go in second class. It was obviously really you know secured and everything. Blah 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 blah. And it got lost. 
He all got lost in the post. Oh, my God. Completely lost in the post. And I, um, yeah, so it was, it was shocking. So a pastor was never found it. It was at the time that they were having a lot of issues. Do you know what I mean? I mean, all the postal service, the delivery service, they were having a lot, a lot of issues. There was like the second wave we were having where everyone was being off sick. Everyone was pinging. The apps were pinging because of COVID and stuff and stuff like that. So they were, everyone was understaffed, terribly, terribly understaffed. So it happened at that time. So it kind of like on one hand, you are like, but on the other hand, it's like, oh, you know, it's kind of like, yeah. So, yeah, I cried a lot, a lot. I mean, like a lot, like genuinely a lot. And luckily, I took like lots of like photographs of of each item. So I was actually able to trace out all the templates again. So I didn't have to draw everything from memory and, 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 and stuff like that. And I asked some people, some lovely, lovely, lovely people, big shout out to my lovely pe- like, like, like people who helped me make the bases. So that was, actually, so that's Annette, Suzanne, Melinda, Julia, Linda, and Alicia. So thank you. I love you forever. <laughs> Angels. Because they helped me so much. <laughs> yeah, so they helped me so much. So they made all the bases. And then I was able to embroider everything again. And obviously, because I already was contracted to do this one. So I was doing both of them at the same time. So, yeah, because obviously that one was supposed to come out last last year. So the embroidery one was supposed to be last year. But because of everything, it got delayed. So that's why I've got two books in one year. But it was supposed to be embroidery last year. Tunisian one this year well our listeners who are listening to us in the future where the drones just drop your packages off within four minutes if you ordering them from Amazon (laughs) you lucky lucky bastards (laughs) Um, I I mean it's absolutely beautiful this book Um, oh thank you it's a a real it's a real corker so I I know that you love um, embroidery and cross stitch yes and I mean the 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 blanket, the birds and trees blanket, which is an homage to your lovely husband Dave, who's he's an homage. He does a lot of wildlife photography. Um, he's very he's very talented man. We have to talk about how you met him in a minute because I always think that's a really funny story about the snakes. (laughs) The snakes. Um, but (laughs) this is a beautiful. How do you find you know cross stitch on crochet? It looks gorgeous. Um, how hard is it? It's very simple. Cross stitch or crochet is incredibly simple because crochet stitches, obviously, every, the whole base is done in double, in double crochet, which gives you a perfect, well, it's a square stitch. It's a square stitch and you've got holes on each side of this square, which gives you an ideal grid for your, for your cross stitch, as Mr. Cross Stitch would know. And I think this is something, I, I th- Jamie, I think your, your, your readers would really appreciate a bit of this. Well, I think the, the curious thing is this book is like there's a Venn diagram of the Lovecraft show and there's you in the woolly camp and me in the stitchy camp and this book is the overlap betwixt the two. Um, what? But, but the thing is that gets me as well is you don't see it as often as you might expect. People embellish lots of things, but it's to me it's still quite rare that people will embellish on knitwear. And obviously there is that structural thing. So my understanding is that Tunisian crochet lends itself quite well to this kind of thing because of the structure. 
I wanted to ask you, like, if if people have never tried it because they're not aware of it, like, what what are your pearls of wisdom? What how would you suggest people like branch out into this crazy alchemy? Do you know what? It's it really starts small. So do a little to like like straight sit somewhere, a little flower somewhere, a chain stitch. Do really really small. I also find that back in my fabric with stitch and tear or some kind of like stabilizer really really helps because it just gives you a double layer of of protection because obviously when you've got crochet that you get you, the gaps can be quite large also when you do when you are going to cross stitch or embroider make sure your base is done in a lot smaller like smaller like tension so you can use the same yarn. I don't use embroidery yarn for my cross-stitch or crochet. I use normal yarn. A lot of it, actually, I use tap tapestry wool. But what I find that when the base is tighter, it's better. So make sure that, let's say, if you're using a DK yarn for the embroidery and the base, make the base in smaller hooks so, so it is a bit tighter. Because you do want the gaps to be filled in like, like really nicely. Because you don't want like big gaps in the embroidery there. Yeah, so and I think that's Does that a, make sense? That's a really important point. So if you are a bit of a loose goose with your crochet and you know that you've got a fairly loose tension, if you're gonna create some fabric with crochet in order to embroider or cross stitch on it, go down a hook size. Give yourself a, a an extra helping hand and make the fabric that you make with a smaller hook so that it's a tighter tension. I would also add, don't start with cross stitch straight away because one of the things is cross stitch, you want X's to have a conformity. And I feel like the first time you're out on this, you're not going to get that and it's going to break your heart a little bit. So it's probably better, like you say, to try something a bit more abstract. Um, stitching, I made this myself or help, I am trapped in a sweatshop or something fun like that. <laughs> good way to put it yes that yeah that. but yeah but start something small as i said do some straight stitches practice on your straight stitches or chain still like stitches also when you're doing a crossage on 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 crochet you don't need a stabilizer only for embroidery i thought mm. that clarified that so when you have the stabilizer is this the stuff that sort of melts off afterwards um, or, or do you just well leave it i on? use this i use the like Stitch and tear one because I like I like the stitch and tear. To be honest, I mean I leave it on because I you know I make things. I don't make things that will be washed often or cleaned often. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. like wall hanging. So yeah, I just use the stitch like stitch and tear. But you can use the one which is the aqua soluble one, the one that dissolves yeah. dissolves in water, which is really good. So you got to be conscious that with that. I think that you make sure you dissolve it properly because it can leave a residue, which can like stiffen up your surfaces. I did that, and it made a surface very, very stiff, which was fine because I didn't care. But if you care, then yeah, be careful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. True. Speaking of stiff surfaces, how did you and Dave meet them? <laughs> oh, you're so naughty! <laughs> this is—it's so such a funny story. This I love this. Well, I thought it was a really funny story. So Anna, right, Anna, so I was going... Anna wanted to decided that she wanted to have some a, a, a snake, a pet snake. Yeah. And I well, don't... I was going through a phase. Yeah. Yeah, she goes through a phase of, of sort of like reptiles. I'll let I'll let you tell the story, Anna. So I was going through a phase, you know, and I wanted a snake because you know why would I have a snake? I mean, this is such a cuddly pet, you know. I mean, like 
So I decided because I was living in rented accommodation, so I couldn't have a dog, I couldn't have a cat, which was my first choice then. I couldn't have a hamster because, you know, kind of, so I said, well, I'm going to have a snake. snake. Snake will be absolutely fine, you know. So then I, I asked my friend, it's like, oh, I want to buy a, buy a snake. And my friend was like, hold on a second. I know the guy who knows a guy who has snakes and he breeds snakes as well. So, you know, I call him, he calls him and we will see what happens. So anyway, so I got this guy, him, that was Dave. He's, I think it was him, email, email address. And we started to tell us, hi, I want to buy a snake. And he goes like, okay, well, I just had some like, like baby ones. I was like, Perfect. I want a cuddly little baby snake. Nah, obviously not. I didn't know nothing about snakes whatsoever. But you know, it would be fine. You know. <laughs> so I said, to, and he goes like, uh, and he was like, mm, I, I'm not sure I should give you a snake. You sound a bit weird. You know, so are you gonna hurt this snake? Better not. And he goes like, Dear reader, I married him. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I know. And as and he goes to me like, oh, well, I think it would be better first to come over and have a look at what you needed. I'm thinking like, well, okay, I'm not gonna go to some strange guy's house, you know what I mean? <laughs> so I asked my friend to come like with me. So we went there, and I realized that actually having snacks is extremely expensive because the viv the viv alone are just crazy amount of ma- money. And I was like. I was like, okay, I'm not going to have, have a snake. But the guy was nice, you know. Dave was nice. I, I'm not going to say he was a bit of a right. So I was like, okay, I don't have a snake, but, mm-hmm, you know. Mm. Anyway, so then, so that was fine. So we, then we went for a drink and stuff like that with my friends and things. And then he emailed me and he kept on emailing me. And I was like, no, I cannot do a relationship. I just came out of a long time. One. No, I'm free and single and independent. No, 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 you know. I want snake, not men. <laughs> you know, kind of thing. <laughs> and he goes like, that's all right. And he was like, she's, she's a bit weird, but you know, okay. It's like, no, it's fine. I'm not going anywhere. We can just chat. So yeah, so that's how I met my Dave. And now we married, you see. So yeah, he also have a snake in his pants. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, I'm so glad you said that. So that I didn't have to make a joke about the tail of the snake. Oh my God. Dear me. Oh. That's very funny. Well, anyway, I just have to say they did have the most lovely wedding um, and there are pictures of it on your blog, aren't there? And where Anna knitted her own cardigan to wear, which she was knitting up to the wire the night before, I think. And also, uh, because I did see her a few weeks before the wedding, I said, have you finished your cardigan? No, 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 she said. Oh, I got loads of time. But then she also did knit Dave a tie, didn't you? In the same I yarn. did, yeah. Yeah, so they were matching. Yeah. Yes. It was very nice. So we were matchy-matchy because, like, you know, like a proper couple, you know, matchy-matchy. I have another random Six. question. Is that all right? Go on. Do you still cry at pretty much anything, including commercials? And are yes. there any commercials that have particularly upset you lately? No, but Paul O'Grady dying are really upset me. I cried so much yesterday. That really upset me, actually. I love Paul O'Grady. That was a surprise. But yeah, um, yeah, that was a shock. I was very surprised. I mean, my God, I genuinely cried. He's a national treasure. Um, I yeah, I cried at everything. I actually spoke. I was speaking to my sister the other day about about it, and we were doing something, and I started crying. And she goes like, "What is wrong with you? This is not normal." I was like, "Shut up! You you're just evil. You know, you have no feelings." And she was just like. <laughs> Stop crying at everything. I do. I genuinely cry at everything. Genuinely, it's the randomest thing. I don't know if it's if it's actually normal. I don't know. It could be something. Do you take wrong. onions with know. you so that you can pretend you've been chopping them in case people think there's something? <laughs> I, I think. Do you know what? I think some people are. 
Some people are criers and some people aren't criers. But if you're a crier, then everything brims it up and you're just like, oh. Oh, my God. But on commercial, I I, I cried on Poirot recently. Yeah, Poirot makes me sad. Because, you know, it was like, oh, It's emotionally healthy, but, yeah. I think. I think it's very good for you. You think so? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you think so? I, I think it's a bit random, really. But... I only cry at dad-daughter you know, yeah. dad stuff now makes me cry because, obviously, I'm a dad with Aww. a daughter. Whereas before, yeah. I thought I was emotionally bereft. So, in some ways, I'm quite glad. And there is this one episode of the kids' cartoon, Bluey, which every time I watch it, it makes me cry <laughs> because it's got some, like, rousing music and a lot of emotional story. And... Flora and Annie will put it on because they know it's going to make me cry. <laughs> Just to like torment me. I cried watching the last uh, the last episode of Endeavour last night, which I was catching up on. Um, oh my God, I love Endeavour. Duh. I love Endeavour. And I did cry watching the end of that because yeah. I can't tell you why, but it it was it was emotional. And, oh, and then can I don't I, know if I can watch it now. Can I ask you about Go the wreaths the wreath book because it it passed me yeah. by, but I've seen it. But I. I like a good wreath. We've got a pom-pom one that's in autumnal colours. And the thing I like about yeah. textile wreaths is they last forever, kind of, you know, so they don't get a bit yeah. funky a few months down the line. Yours are pretty stunning, if you don't mind me saying that. Thanks. I did work hard on them. <laughs> um, yeah, so how did they come about? Well, because I was on Kirsty. Oh yes. oh yes. Now let's yeah. just let's just talk about that yeah. as well because that was mm. a, yeah. that was made of wire. That was. It was. My hands were bleeding. Well, they weren't bleeding, but they were really bad. The damage, like hurt afterwards. Um. Uh, yeah. So I went on Kirsty to make December two thousand seventeen. Probably. Thank so you. So for anybody yes. anybody listening who hasn't um this is a bit of a UK thing. So Kirsty Allsop, she's um a TV presenter who has a competition every year um for Christmas craft. And she's very she's sort of into you know, she sort of has programs where she introduces different crafts to different people and every year they have this sort of Christmas craft competition show. So you just were to die this. just to just to brag for a second though, what I I was on it. Uh, 2012 oh, yeah. maybe something like that but obviously I'm a cross stitch guy and then I entered a yule log competition <laughs> so that was good <laughs> so by the time we actually came to like displaying our yule logs it was the third one I'd ever made and I got hopelessly beaten by very many people but it was a great laugh <laughs> oh bless you oh my god I want to I want to look that up I do it's on there somewhere it's on I the really do want to look that up I need to watch it now yeah but yours will be good because didn't you won it didn't you did you win it I didn't win it. No. Oh, okay. Well, we're losers together. No, I know. I know. We have the losers club. It's all cool. Um. So yes, I made the wreath. There was some. Trying to remember, I think it was Kitzel case, and wire. So I was doing some trees. I was doing in wire. Some things I was doing in Kitzel case. The wire thing was very very hard. And I have to say, apart from one thing, I think one one tree. Everything I made on that reef was made in those three hours. So yeah. Um I know, amazing. So skillful I am. It is because some people um, have a lot of pre made stuff when they go on that, but you didn't. Yes. Yeah. They were glowing it and I was like, excuse me, I didn't get this memo. Where is this memo? I didn't get it. That I could just glue things on. I mean if I could glue things on, it would be the most spectacular thing you have ever seen, you know. But um, but no, they were all lovely. The people were really nice, actually. They were really, really nice. So, yeah, so I didn't get the memo. So I just started, like, you know, 
making everything in three hours. I also think, I have to honestly say, I kind of, when people send me things, I don't actually read things out. I would just go, blah, 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 fine, yeah. And then you kind of go like, oh, I didn't know this. I said, oh, no, it was in your paper. Did you read your paper? No, I did not. No, I don't read things. So, yeah. So, it's my fault. I skip through things. I, I don't, I don't, I don't concent, co concentrate on things. So, yes. But anyway, I've made the wreath. It, it kind of, it didn't come second, but it got a special mention from the judge. Saying, like, they couldn't believe that how stunning it was. Because she, considering I made it in three hours, I was like, mm-hmm. I know. You can believe a woman can survive having let that much blood out of her fingertips in three hours and she's still standing. <laughs> yeah, and all the glue I inhaled. Because obviously, this, this is also our battle. So everyone brought like glue, like glue gun. But not me. No, no, no. Because, you know, I brought this you you who one. And he smelled so badly. I think I was high at some point there. Also. <laughs> just, it's actually just 11 hours that it took you you just think it was three because you were so stoned <laughs> so i'm kind of thinking like so everyone, everyone brought, brought hot glue no anna has to bring you who glue that was very very smelly so yeah that was interesting but yes so then my editor says like actually this is a great great idea would you like to make a book about reads i was like oh would I? Yeah. So, yeah, so I decided because I, I had some, I, I used to make make reefs all the time. And actually, reef, reef making is a big thing in Poland where we used to make reefs for every sea, like, season to, ha to hang on a door. And it's also, there's a lot of like pagan traditions in Poland that still stay, that you kind of mm -hmm. say goodbye to, to winter by putting a reef or anything there was a lot of things you know what i mean so reefs are very large so i grew up around around reefs all the time so we always had a re reef on on the door and stuff like and, and stuff like and stuff like that so i wanted to kind of make reefs that were for all year round basically so you can have a reef for every every occasion so it doesn't have to be just like you know christmas or valentine's day for every single thing yeah and then so yeah the, that was a lot protein, of words because when you make a reef I've watched my wife do it. She's very talented. Um, it's, it's layering, isn't it? It's almost a bit like needle. It's layering, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you do the same thing with a crochet reef? Do you no, like... No, 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 no. So on crochet... So if you were to make an, a, a reef from a base, so basically take the twigs and, and, and wind them and yourself and put them into shape, then obviously, yeah, it's all about the 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 layering. In crochet ones, I was buying just ready-made bases and just decorating the, ba the bases, right. like, basically. Yeah, because it's just, yeah, it's a lot simpler. Yeah. But would you, forgive my ignorance, would it almost be like you would make a basic base and then attach crocheted flowers and objects on top yeah. of it? Yeah, 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 you could, yeah. Mm -hmm. So have a basic base and just attach things or embellish everything with your cro your crochet. I also didn't, not all reefs, I didn't want it to cover all reefs. I wanted some reefs that kind of have a bit of, of this beautiful reef actually left because all of the reefs are kind of like from willows and stuff like that they're beautiful reefs and i wanted to show some of them the beauty of the actual reef and just cover parts of of of, of them it is a yeah. it is a it is a really lovely book and i think one of the things that i struck me about the book is that in this book 
there are so many tiny patterns for lots of different things from little tiny toadstools to apples and flowers and leaves and everything and the beauty of that is that you don't have to use those just for wreaths so if you have that book you have all the patterns of all the little tiny things and then any time you want to embellish anything else you can think oh I really want to put um I don't know where you would but I really want to put um some leaves and a mushroom on this purse or on this bag or on yeah this. yeah, yeah you yeah. just grab your wreath book and it's full of those beautiful little patterns yeah that you can so use those flowers here are from are from the book the book actually so these are from the from the um Easter wreath so yeah, when I when I was creating it, I didn't want it to be, I wanted to be the book to be very freehand. So it's for inspire you to make your own. So you can take elements from each single wreath and combine them into one. Do you know what I mean? So basically, yeah, you can make them into brooches, into embellishment, into on cushions or whatever. It doesn't matter. I just wanted you to you to. I didn't want you to have anything like I've got this project and this is all I can make with it. I wanted you kind of have their freedom to take all those elements and do other things with them, not just play, play, place them on reefs, basically. In some ways, actually, yeah. that honors the wreath-making process anyway, because you're always in negotiation between your materials and what the wreath's going to let you put in mm. it, aren't you? So it's a... Yes, absolutely, yeah. I like that center. That's right. a beautiful center. So. Yeah. Yeah, very nice. I'll record yes. that. <laughs> negotiation. I like that. This is very good, yeah. So what's next? Well, there are things in planning, but I can't speak about them because they're secret. Can you tell us what they rhyme with? Like, <laughs> boo, book, about, boche, or something? Yeah. That, that doesn't really rhyme. No. It rhymes <laughs> with a... Yeah. She's doing another... It rhymes with hook. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. But <laughs> I know you've done some really nice collaborations with... Um, yarn manufacturers as well so you did some lovely things with yeah. West Yorkshire spinners you've done lots of things with those yeah really nice um, I've got lots of things coming in I, I, in winter like with them lots of lovely things. stuff so, and yeah. and they the, the yarn is gorgeous and I know you've oh, done I love uh, lots of nice socks things you've done some really great things with Lovecrafts and that's why um, which is how we met but you have done some yeah. great sock patterns and sock videos and you know how much I love a sock. There's a particularly good crocheted sock video that we have out now that is on the YouTube channel, which is Anna's. And you have got a real sort of passion for making socks that fit, haven't you? I do love a sock. I love a sock. Okay, I love a sock and I knitted socks for many, many years. And I'm thinking like, there must be a way of crushing them to be exactly the they're the same because I always found on cro on crochet socks that they can be quite tight and yeah and basically inserting a heel flap and a heel turn I mean I didn't invent this obviously it's someone someone else invent invented it and I can't remember who um I saw it I don't remember what I saw I was like okay if I take take the same recipe the same I, I, I think I'll, I'll call it the same recipe, the same kind of understanding of a crush of a knit over knit over knitted sock and apply it to a crush crochet one. It will work exactly the same. And it did. So I really enjoyed that. Yeah. 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 But I do love an afterthought heel as well. So I do love a sock with afterthought, afterthought heel. For socks, you need to be very wary what status you basically use so you you know if you're using a double crochet you need to be very general generous with your like st like stages and stuff like and stuff like that yeah but i do love a sock i i love a crochet socks i wear them all the time 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, this is one of the things I think which is so fab about knitting and crochet. In the old days, you dare not say anything about one or the other to a crafter who did just one or the other. They were very different camps, the knitters and the crocheters. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. And there was nowhere to meet in the middle. But now, where the crochet design for everything has risen up to meet the knitters. So, you know, there's nothing, yeah. there's nothing that you can knit that you can't crochet now. From exactly. From Intarsia yeah. to cables to... To mosaic to know, everything. Anything. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's sort of brought crochet up to a bit of a pass. So all the knitters that used to sniff at crochet, they now, they can't sniff at crochet anymore because they can do all these beautiful things. And more people are doing all of these crafts. It's like with your embroidered crochet and you're bringing embroidery and cross-stitch in, yeah. into the these other fiber arts and you must tell jamie that you i must tell jamie that anna actually cross-stitched the universe for dave she cross-stitched all the planets did you I know that i haven't finished it yet it's been in progress <laughs> for only what five years seven years yeah. i don't even remember i'm i've got two planets left i'm almost there i wanted <laughs> to know there. yeah whose pattern was that were you who did you get the pattern oh from? yeah it was a lady on etsy right so, I know a few. I know a few. There's a girl called Matthew Sphere who does uh, planets, and there's climbing goat design. She's got a lot of cosmic things going on. Hold on, I find curious. her. She's very good, but it's she's yeah. I I found her on Thingy on on Etsy. She's oh, she's very very good. Well, we will share the links to all yeah. these lovely bits of information yeah, okay. in the show notes. But um, Anna, wow, it has been yeah. such a lovely hour and a bit chatting to you super cool thank you it's been lovely cut out a lot of bits because lots of bits are not this whole show is going to be five minutes long i think after you cut out all the bits no, no. <laughs> about three we love all of it em. but um but yeah thank you like thank you so much it's been such, such an amazing pleasure it really has if people oh, yeah, want so to find much. you where do they find you everywhere Everywhere. Yes, I'm like a bad smell. You <laughs> know, just absolutely everywhere. I follow people around. Like a um, good smell. A smell of woodland and bunnies. <laughs> That's what the smell is. Yeah. <laughs> Don't That's... mention the bunnies. Oh, no. Don't mention the bunnies. I, I have to also say just Mushka, say, anybody Dr. listening, Rika. that Anna is vegetarian, I think. So, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah vegetarian. vegetarian. I mean, how can you not be after all this trauma? <laughs> how can you not be? <laughs> So yeah, so no, I'm vegetarian. Yes, I am vegetarian. I've been for many, many years. So yes, but yeah, I don't eat bunnies anymore. <laughs> Only as a child, through the cruelty. Um, but oh my God, I need to stop being so dramatic. Jesus Christ. Okay. Um, yes. Mushka, so we've got mushka.co.uk. We'll put these onto the yes. show notes. You've got yeah. Instagram. What's your Instagram? Anna Nikipirovic, just my name and surname. YouTube. And on Facebook. YouTube Anna Nikipirovich as well. Yeah. Yep. You know, that's my name. Um, and then on Facebook, I'm Muchka. Muchka. And you can find yeah. you can find loads of Anna's patterns on Lovecrafts, which we'll put a link to too. Yeah. And, and videos. So, yeah, it's absolutely brilliant. And we are so looking forward to doing more fun things. And I, I know that we'll want you to come back and tell us yeah, about... Yeah, you will have to come back another time. All it's the new things. Hey everybody, we're back! Wow, that was a great interview. 
I love that lady. Do you know what? She's an absolute peach. I just, she's so talented. She just, she can do anything. And she's such a good raconteur. Like, I can't believe we recorded 15 hours of interview, but I've managed to get it down to just the 45 minutes that you just enjoyed. She went on all day about all kinds of stuff. She's a super, supersonic woman. Love her. I'm sure, I really hope you enjoyed that as much as we did, because she is just, she's just incredible. I love her books and her patterns and everything. I always have, though, to be fair. You'll find all of the links that you need in the show notes in terms of getting her books and checking her out. And uh, yeah, I mean, if you've enjoyed it, it would be marvellous if you could leave a review on your favourite podcasting platform so that the artificial intelligence robot revolution can promote us to other people who might like this kind of stuff. And if you'd like to, just send us an email at show at lovecrafts.com and tell us what you thought and if you've got any crafting heroes you'd like us to talk to. And indeed, if your grandparents ever did some really, really bad stuff for you, because I mean, that was <laughs> that, that was, was a bad story. I bet her granny was laughing her socks off after that. To be honest. Oh yes, they've gone up to the forest. By the way, here's a new coat made of bunny skins. No, it's just a coincidence, my darling. You go off and play rabbit stew for tea. No, that's just a coincidence, my darling. It's National Rabbit Day. Oh God. Oh, bless her heart. Righto, I'll see you for episode two, Jamie. Yeah, and you, Marianne. Take care, everybody. See you soon. Happy crafting. Happy crafting. (laughs) 